And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio is Jeremiah Diedrich. Hey, Dan. And Julie Diedrich. Hello. Well, it's good to have you folks here. And uh, we actually have more folks here in the studio. We have little Hadassah, and she's not going to say anything right now, but probably during uh, this session she will uh, make herself known. And how old is Hadassah? Just about two months. Two months. So we'll want to know more about that. And Debbie is here in the background. Hey, Dan. She doesn't have a mic near her. so I'm holding Hadassah. She is. With a grin on my face. <laughs> she loves it. Um, Jeremiah and Julie, last time we had you folks here on the air, you were sharing with us uh, a story of life concerning little Anna Karen, your trisomy 18 baby that God took to heaven and is now with our Lord in heaven. What we didn't say to the listeners at that time was that, Julie, you were expecting. And now, praise be to God, little Hadassah has arrived. And uh, before we talk about um, your mission work with Wycliffe today, I'm just wondering if you could bring us up to speed and up to date on the story of little Hadassah here. I guess after losing Anna, we were really anxious to have a baby that we could hold and take home from the hospital and everything. And so we are so thankful that we um, were able to get pregnant with her pretty quickly and and was probably about the longest pregnancy I've ever had. It just felt mm. like it dragged on and on because we were so anxious to have her. But here she is, and, and we're just so glad she's here. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, she's a she's a pretty little girl, and we're just delighted to have a, a little one here in the studio. Um, it brings back many memories of uh, when our kids were young. Uh, don't get any ideas, Debbie's saying. <laughs> well, Jeremiah, coming up, uh, now we're pre-recording this prior to your trip to Brazil. By the time uh, this airs, God willing, you will be in Brazil. Can you uh, tell us a little bit of um, what some of the work is coming up for you guys as you head down to Brazil? Yeah, we're in Brazil um, with SIL Brazil and I'm serving there as a pilot and aircraft mechanic. Julie also is a trained aircraft mechanic. And when we get back, um, it will take a couple of weeks to get back into the swing of life there. Things are at a different uh, different pace and a different uh, rhythm there than they are here. But as we get back into the swing of things, we'll jump back into the aviation program and uh, begin flying in support of SIL and in support of um, other ministries and other missions going on there mm-hmm. in Brazil, um, uh, mainly centered around the city of Porto Value where we live. Mm-hmm. What does SIL stand for? Uh, SIL Brazil um, stands for Sociedade Internacional de Linguística. It is uh, associated with um, SIL, the Summer Institute of Linguistics, mm-hmm. and works mainly on translation and translation of books of high literary and moral value, Mm. primarily being the Bible. Mm -hmm. Many people have heard of Wycliffe, and so um, in simple terms, you translate the Bible into the language of the people in in a culture. Yeah, um, we are with... Uh, we're members of Wycliffe Bible Translators USA, mm-hmm. and as such, we are on loan to SIL Brazil, as oh. are the other um, people working with SIL Brazil. And yeah, the the goal of Wycliffe USA is to see 
the Bible, God's Word, translated into all the languages in the world that need it. Um, Mm -hmm. Currently, there are about 2,000 languages in the world that are thought to need a Bible translation that do not have one. Um, Currently, Mm. in Brazil, there are about 180 living languages, um, and we in the aviation department of SIL Brazil are flying in support of um, work uh, going on in about 15 different indigenous communities throughout Brazil um, that that specifically we support with the aviation program. Mm-hmm. Now, why do they need planes? Why can't they just take a bicycle or a car or whatever? Uh, you're talking about um, most of this work going on in the Amazon rainforest, <laughs> and this is the largest rainforest in the world. There are no roads. Uh, the roads of the rainforest are rivers, and the rivers don't always flow the direction you want them to flow when yes. you have a place to get to. Uh, by airplane, we end up saving a significant amount of time, and time uh, can can actually mean the saving of someone's life. Uh, there are villages that we fly to that from Porto Value, um, by air, two hours away to one village we fly to. If you were to not go by air, um, but from Porto Value, make your way by road to a small jump-off town that is is about a day of traveling, about 15 hours on the road. For about three months of the year, that road is open. The rest mm. of the, the year, rainy season, closes that road. And then from there, it's about a seven- to ten-day boat ride mm-hmm. um, on a small boat going all day through the jungle and then sleeping uh, in the boat tied up on the edge of the jungle on your way up there. And so you can see this is a long, long trip, and with the airplane, we can do it in yes. two hours. And I've actually made flights out there to people who were in dire straits, medical emergencies where... If we hadn't gotten there with the airplane, picked them up, brought them back to the city and brought them to medical treatment, they would uh, most certainly have died. Well, that's very helpful. Um, What we'll do is we'll take a short break. Today we're talking in the studio here with uh, Jeremiah and Julie Diedrich, missionaries serving with SIL Brazil. And uh, stay with us. We'll be right back. To be heard, but to hear. What you would say, word of God speak, would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know that you're in this place, please let me stay. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. 
Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I am Dane Elmendorf. In the studio with me today, missionaries Jeremiah Diedrich and Julie Diedrich and their little girl, Hadassah, who my wife Debbie is currently holding. Um, Before the break, Jeremiah, you were mentioning the advantages of being able to have a plane there uh, on the mission field, how that um, by air, a village may be only two hours away, but if you were to go that same distance time-wise on the ground, it would take 15 hours or more. And so um, clearly there's a huge advantage of, of having the airplane. And uh, you are a missionary pilot, also an aircraft mechanic. Julie is an aircraft mechanic. Tell us a little bit more about, it caught my attention, uh, the emergency flights. It, it, it seems that um, by having the airplane not only do you help on the linguistic society and, and the translation that is undertaken for that, but it sounds like uh, emergency flights also are, are part of your, your work there. Yeah. Um, we do emergency flights. We do supply flights. We fly for uh, basically whatever the needs are of uh, the, the missionaries and the groups that they're working with. And so not only are we involved in um, supporting the work that SIL is doing specifically in translation processes and linguistic work, but we're being the hands and feet of Christ um, mm. in, in ways that, that we can serve with the airplane. Um, yeah, there's a village, that, like you mentioned, it's about two hours by air, but it's actually only uh, accessible by river other than that, mm-hmm. and it is uh, about seven to ten days by river uh, versus two hours by air to get mm-hmm. there. And we uh, we did have an instance uh, where a man in that village who for years and years had been helping with um, Bible translation and had been helping with linguistic work for missionaries that had been serving there got very sick and nobody knew what it was. Mm. And they called and they said, can you bring this man out of the village? And it was a Sunday morning, and we normally don't fly on Sundays. We take that as the Lord's Day. But yeah. when uh, we get a call for an emergency flight, you know, we go. And we yes. get the call about 7 o'clock in the morning, and by 11 o'clock I was in the air and okay. picked him up in the village, and he was in a terrible state. He was 
so weak he had to be carried to the airplane. And we brought him back to the city of Puerto Vallejo. And he ended up being treated at the missionary's house. Um, they didn't have any idea what was wrong with him. They said he was very close to dying. And mm. they just started giving him uh, mineral drops and vitamins and praying for him and praying that the Lord would heal him. And as an example of uh, of God's answering prayer and also the impact of the gospel, um, mm. this man was healed. One of the other pilots flew him back to his village. And the next time I saw him was several months later when I was in his village uh, <laughs> doing another flight. And he came up to me and he said, Jeremiah, did you hear? When I was in Puerto Vallejo, when I almost died, he goes, you know, I realized years and years I had been hearing that I wasn't right with God, that because of my sin I was separated from God. Mm -hmm. And I needed to trust in the forgiveness of my sins through faith in Jesus Christ. And I knew that Jesus had died to pay the penalty for my sins. That's right. And he goes, I never believed and I never believed and I just put it off. And he said, you know what? I almost died. Mm. And I know if I had died that I would have been separated from God forever. And he said, I realize that I needed to not wait anymore. I needed to give my life to Jesus. Mm. And he showed me this picture. He had this printout, this folded paper, which was a printout of a picture of him being baptized. And he said, now look at this. I was baptized into the name of Jesus. I belong to Christ. (laughs) And he was going around his village and to anyone who would come and visit. He would take them and show them this picture. And he would say, I belong to Jesus Christ. I belong to him. And it was awesome and amazing and <laughs> a powerful testimony yes. to the impact of the Word of God, this this Word that had fallen like seed on fertile soil and it had been cultivated for years and years and years and finally come to fruition as he and his wife also yeah. put their faith in Christ. So you're there for supporting the linguistic work. You get a call for an emergency flight. And it turns out, providentially, God used that to, as a means to an end yeah. of drawing this man to himself. And that's a beautiful story. Um, I'm thinking, too, about your flights, how that um, it's like you always need to be prepared. Uh, I, I assume that after you get back from a flight, you prepare the airplane for the next one, not always knowing when it is that you're going to take off. Yeah, that's exactly right. We get back from a flight, and we have a flight schedule board. Um, we have one airplane and uh, two pilots in Puerto Value right now. And we have a flight schedule board, and normally we schedule um, about three flights a week. And mm-hmm. so you get back, and you know what flight is next, and you know how much fuel you need for it. And we prepare the airplane for that next flight. But, yeah, it, it certainly uh, has happened many times where we get a call for an emergency flight or a change of plans or um, you know, something comes up and yeah. you, have to, uh, you have to be ready to jump on it. In some ways, you're never totally disengaged there. And uh, that's one thing like that it. makes furloughs every couple of years back to the U.S. Um, really necessary because there is no such thing as totally disengaging. You know that at any time of day or night, you can get a phone call, and you know I always think those phone calls that come in after about yes. nine thirty at night, when that phone starts to ring, I think, oh, I wonder where I'm going in the morning, and and what it is, and yes. who it is, because uh, yeah, that that 
really is the case that a lot of times um, God uses us with the airplane to be a lifeline for people and and to save lives that otherwise wouldn't be saved. And and um, what was the shortest amount of heads up time that you had? before a flight, let's say it was an emergency flight, the one that you just mentioned was, I think the call came in at 7, and you were lifting off at 11 o'clock. Yeah, that's about as fast as we can make things happen, because we're nearly an hour from uh, the airport that the airplane is at, and then to prepare the airplane for the flight and get in the air, um, that's, that's about as fast as we can make it happen. The shortest notice I had... I actually wasn't the pilot. I was on the radio. Uh, we always have somebody on the HF radio yes. um, that we call them the flight follower. And mm-hmm. about every 20 minutes, the pilot will check in with the flight follower and give an updated position report. And uh, the flight follower has Internet access and can check satellite weather mm. pictures okay. and help the pilot to kind of prepare weather-wise for what's in advance. And also, if anything comes up, uh, people know to contact the flight follower, and they can pass that information to the pilot. In this case, I was the flight follower, and I got an emergency radio call on the emergency uh, uh, mm-hmm. radio channel. And it was uh, that one of the missionaries had had severe health complications, uh, mm. what essentially amounted to, I think, a, a mini stroke out in the village. And the airplane was on its way back from flying to a different village, and I called the pilot and I said, do you have enough fuel to stop in at, at this village and pick this person up? And he quick ran his calculations and he said, yeah, I can just do it. Wow. And so within about 40 minutes of me getting the call, he was on the ground there um, picking up uh, the missionary and her daughter and bringing them back to the city for, for uh, treatment at the hmm. hospital. Well, it seems like you also have to juggle a lot on the mission field. Julie, I'm thinking of you now. Um, you're you're a mom. You have children. You're homeschooling. Um, you're also a uh, aircraft mechanic. It seems like um, life is never simple. <laughs> well, we do. I guess we really do enjoy the variety, and it's mm-hmm. and I like to be involved with a little bit at least with what is happening in in aviation. And the way I've been able to be involved is by flight following, like Jeremiah just explained. Oh, yes. And for a little while there, when my kids were. A lot younger I had even I had a radio in my house and that made things a lot easier and then um, so I, I really enjoy being able to to help out that way and I have been also helping out with the airplane inspections every two or three months when the airplane needs an inspection I'll go out there and help it's a little complicated because I have to get babysitting mm. but now that we have little Hadassah um, I'm not sure how much I'll be able to do aside from just yeah. just homeschooling and taking care of her but We'll see. Tell us really briefly about your other children. If just yeah, Miriam's eight and Nehemiah's six. Okay, and uh, they both just just love life in Brazil, and they can't wait to get back. <laughs> Very good. Um, do you think that uh, they'll be stunted by having grown up on the mission field? <laughs> I don't think they'll be stunted, but I I do know that they're they'll be a little different than uh, kids who have grown up here all their lives. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the yes. uh, I think the impact of of Knowing another culture and another place in the world, uh, another language. Yes. That broadening of horizons and at the same time, you know, being able to see the good things and the benefits from from your home culture and right. your culture that you're living in. I think, you know, it really, even even already as, as an eight-year-old and six-year-old, you can see it opening their eyes and oh, yes. having a really positive impact. Yeah, and of course, I was being facetious when I asked, but... 
Um, no question about it. God is going to use that in a, in a powerful way in their lives. Um, so you're heading back to the mission field as we record this. Obviously, you're still in the States by the time our listeners hear this. God willing, you'll be on the field in Brazil. Uh, you talked about how that um, there'll be a certain amount of time just kind of getting caught up, getting used to it once again um, without giving away any confidential information. What are some things that you expect that you'll be doing um, once you get settled in besides the emergency flights? Um yeah, one of the things that I'm really looking forward to uh, flying-wise is uh, we fly for a uh, uh, pastor's conference. It's a conference that happens twice a year um, where we bring pastors from uh, a tribe that, that – they're all from the same tribe, but they're scattered over hundreds of miles of jungle. And a lot of times these men uh, will be a pastor of a congregation of maybe five people in their village mm. or – Perhaps they're even the only believer in their village. And this is really challenging if you can imagine being a Christian in a society where there are no other Christians, in a village mm. where everybody says, why do you believe that? Why do you live the way you do? Why don't you live for the here and now? Mm. And twice a year there's a conference where uh, these men will come together and meet together and have about a week to ten days of time of worshiping together, of teaching and preaching the word, of fellowship together and encouraging each other, and really supporting each other, lifting each other up, yeah. um, and and sharing the burden of ministering the gospel in what really is a very dark place. Mm-hmm. God has called you to the mission field. Um, just briefly, how does it feel? I mean, what did you go through um, such that here you are, you know, Debbie and I are, are, for example, we're reading a little book on the Covenant Home, and it's a real simple book about finding the will of God. It's called Just Do Something, A Liberating Approach to Finding God's Will, and I love it. And um, sometimes we approach this thing of finding God's will as almost like too mysterious, and yet uh, sometimes it's like right before our very eyes. What did you go through as a missionary couple realizing, hey, this is what God has for us? Well, in really, three minutes or less, yeah, really, um, before, you know, before we were even married, God had, um, before we really had even met, God had called us individually to serve him uh, on the mission field. Mm-hmm. Once we got married and we started to really, you know, say, God has called us to this. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? And we started to evaluate uh, many different missions, uh, mission aviation organizations, Mm -hmm. and see the good that they were doing. And the reason that we were actually drawn to joining uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators is because of the impact that we saw the Word of God having in our Mm -hmm. own lives. Mm -hmm. And spending time daily in the Word of God and seeing the power of the Word to transform our hearts and realizing that this is the living and active and powerful word of God. Mm. This has the power, this is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. And that was what really drew us to Wycliffe, um, seeing the emphasis placed on having the word of God in the heart language of the people put into their hands Mm -hmm. for their faith and the growth of the church and for the preaching of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Mm. 
what's your feeling about American Christians right now? Um, do we um, get too um, unappreciative of the Word of God, seeing how valuable it is and what you've done overseas? You know, Dan, I think I will speak um, not to American Christians. I'll speak mm. to myself. Mm. There are times when I get up in the morning and I go about my day and I get ready to go to bed at the end of that day and I say, you know, I haven't spent any time in the Word. Right. And I see in myself, you know, this this amazing ability to discount this wonderful and living Word of God that mm. I have such free access to. Yes. And that really is something of a spiritual discipline to stay in the Word and to realize that on our own, we're going to fall victim to our corrupt, sinful nature. Mm. We're going to fall victim to the vices of the world and the temptations of the devil. And to realize that the Word of God, this is the love letter of our Creator God to us, the God who sent His Son Jesus to pay the penalty for our sins, to make us his children, to adopt us into his family. And what could we read of any more value? What could we possibly long for more than the Word of God? That's beautiful. Today in the studio, we've been talking with a missionary couple, Jeremiah and Julie Diedrich, who work with Wycliffe Bible Translators. They're stationed in Brazil, working in aviation, supporting linguistic work and Bible translation. Um, Pray for this couple. Their names, again, are Jeremiah and Julie Diedrich. If you wish to contact them, just use our email address here at the station. It is ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. And even if you would like to support their work, we would so encourage you to do that. Um, Just send us an email. We'll line you up so that uh, you can support the wonderful work that this couple is doing there in Brazil. For Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf in the studio. Jeremiah and Julie Diedrich and little Hadassah Diedrich, as well as my wife, Debbie, who has been holding Hadassah. Please join us again next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. Funny thing is, it's okay.